The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, Regina Doherty, the Fine Gael Senator, and Mick Barry, the Socialist TD for Cork North Centre and a member of the Oireachtas Finance Committee, are both with me uh, to talk about older people. I was asking Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Public Expenditure, about pensions, time bombs and future proofing a little bit earlier. You can listen back to that full interview. It's on the uh, News Talk app. But we are asking in a more general sense right now whether Ireland is a good country to grow old in. Our reporter Elaine Smith asked that very question of these people in Cork. At the moment, no. And that's kind of based on the fact that most of my mates have actually immigrated. For the current generation, it's okay, but I think moving forward it's not. Just with inflation, renting crisis, even, say, median to low-end jobs just not being... I mean, it's to an end, essentially. I just don't think that anyone past their 30s or 40s can really grow old healthily here. If you are 50 onwards, yeah, but not for young people, definitely. But I'd say for old people it is, because it's quite of a chilled city. But Ireland, though, it's very nice because, as you say, like people are very nice and they can really help each other. For me, I think it is. I am a OAP and I am retired. Um, neighbours, friends, um, connection with the community, you know, young and old, actually, you know, yeah. And from an economic perspective, do you think it's good? I can't survive on my pension, you know. I don't think so at the moment because of the retirement age and because... Of the weather, I just don't think there's a lot of great things for older people. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the people are friendly here with immigrants, with everyone here. There's a lot of jobs. The only problem is the house. The problem with the house, but the, the wages is good, the economy is good. No, I, I wouldn't say so, no. Inflation's going through the roof globally, not just here. And, and wages and pensions haven't kept up with that. So a lot of people are moving to Spain, particularly as you get old, you know. Um, so it's just quality of life might be a bit better and uh, socialise more weather might be better where the cost of living is cheaper Alright, pros and cons uh, expressed on the streets of Cork to our reporter Elaine Smith I'm not quite sure what we can do about the weather uh, I mean I think we're stuck with the weather as it is but Regina Doherty is Ireland a good country to age in? So according to the UN development um, record that they take every single year um, when they compare 189 countries around the world we are the second Uh, happiest country to live in uh, as an older person out of those 189 countries in the world. Um, The USA is seventh, the United Kingdom is 18th. So on the basis of their index, we must be doing something right. But actually what's interesting about the Vox Pop that you've just showed um, is that the people who said yes all didn't seem to have Irish accents. They seemed to have um, foreign accents. And the people who said no, with the exception of one, uh, the people who said no um, were actually probably younger people talking about themselves and not necessarily older people talking about their experiences. And so when you talk to older people or older people's organisations, um, in the whole, they cite a very positive experience. Now, that's not to say, and I make outline all of the things and all of the ills that are wrong, but on the whole... Um, the government and the state have very good social transfer system, uh, probably the second best across the European Union. And we try our best to try and help people stay at home, live at home, be cared for at home uh, during that ageing process as much as they can. And when we when they can't, and some people can't, my own daddy is in a nursing home, there's the Fair Deal scheme there to try and help support people financially to be able to have that uh, extra help that they need that they can't have at home. Um, one of the things that I would think that is discriminatory in Ireland, um, and it's interesting that you spoke about Pascal and the pensions time bomb, 
Um, we have a very anti-ageist employment system in Ireland and when you look at the people who are actually retired in pensionable age, some 80,000 people are still working even though they are entitled and receiving their state pensions um, and actually the vast majority of those happen to be farmers, one in four of them are farmers um, but we have a very discriminatory status in our employment law where we don't actually allow in contract law for people to stay working longer if they want to and given that we have the average age of a woman this year living to 80 a man till 84, people who want to live still have skills and offerings should be allowed to. So if I was to think of something that we would change, mm. and it's not to say people should have to work if they don't want to, um, but we should be allowing people to work longer if they want to contribute to society. Mick Barry, is Ireland a good country to grow old in? Well, I note the fact that Regina says that we're uh, number two in the United Nations top of the pops. But I wonder if the United Nations uh, were like Elaine and went out on the streets of Cork. Uh, because clearly uh, there was a bit more of a uh, of a pros and cons uh, feedback uh, there. I noticed that uh, a lot of people who answered no uh, on the Vox Pop pinpointed the issue of the cost of living, uh, and I think that's a very live issue that I would come across, you know, on a weekly basis um, with older people feeling that you know they haven't been given sufficient protection. I'm not saying they've been given no protection, but they haven't been given sufficient protection by the government in this uh, cost of living uh, crisis. I mean, if you're older, uh, you're say you're on a pension, you're on a fixed income, and you're more vulnerable to the ravages of inflation and a cost of living uh, uh, crisis. An organisation that represents older people alone uh, reckons that uh, older people may lose 15 to 20 percent of their spending power uh, by the end of this year because pensions while going up, are not keeping up uh, with inflation. The Central Statistics Office uh, says that uh, one in five over 65s are at risk of poverty, and that's nearly double the figure from just two years ago. So I think when it comes to protecting living standards of older people, it's not that the government have done nothing, but Mm. they have not done nearly enough, and I think that's a big issue for older people in society. Uh, before I come back to Regina on that, what what would make Ireland, beyond increasing pension payments, what would make Ireland a markedly better place to grow old in? Well, it, what we tend to do for these debates is read a whole load of government reports beforehand. I, I listen to music, right? Okay. And what do you listen to? I listen to uh, John Prine, who I'm a fan of, and I listen to his song about older people and loneliness. Hello in there. The the part of the lyric of that is there's a, an older couple talking about their kids and they say uh, something like uh, John and Linda live in Omaha and Joe is always on the road. And I was thinking about that. The idea of people, of, of your kids or grandkids forced to live a long way away from where you are and then having sons and daughters who just, it's work, work, work. They're on that treadmill. And the loneliness that results from that, I think that's a very real thing in this country and I think that's a big part of this debate as well. Regina, do you listen to any music before you come in here? I, I imagine yeah. Mick like Steve Collins before that fight against Chris Eubank getting himself in the zone anyway. I'm not sure the music I listen to talks to me about uh, older people's lives to be honest with you but anyway um, I think to to a certain extent Mick is right insofar as that we do have a cohort of our over 65s who are vulnerable uh, to poverty some 10% of them and that's probably 10, 9.9% too many 10% too many um, but in reflection to what Mick says and the government has in the last um, number of months looked after people who have the sole income of the state pension and other social welfare payments with the 200 euro we, I say once off payment but it's happened three times so it isn't once off but we've tried to 
look at those people who are vulnerable um, in the last number of months. But the caveat here is that, and I only know this from my time in the Department um, of Social Protection, one of the wealthiest cohorts of people in this country are pensioners. And it's not because they either earn or get loads of money. It's because they don't spend it. And so when you look at some of the people well, who Well, does that wealth includes assets as well, doesn't it? So, well, actually, so it, they, it probably they don't does. have a mortgage on their house. Yeah, it probably does because 80% of people over the age of 65 don't have a mortgage on their house and they own their own house. And so that does contribute. Um, but nearly everybody else in that you know, kind of 40 to 65 bracket is on the way to having um, ownership of their mortgages. But one of the research that, uh, studies that we did, we found that grandparents and people who are pensioners spend the vast majority of their money on their grandchildren or keep it in the bank because they might need it for an occasion that might happen at some point. Um, and I think if we could do anything, it would be to try to encourage people to spend more money on themselves as opposed to keeping it for, you know, their Johnny or their funeral or, you know, something else that might or might not happen in the future. The second thing I'd like to say is that um, in 2019 um, we were celebrated by the UN but it was because we had started this thing called an age-friendly programme in Ireland and it was involving all of the state authorities not just you know, departments that give money or departments that give medical cards. It was involving all of the state authorities, including our local authorities, to make sure that every decision that we did, every service that we provided, every infrastructure project that we put in place was mindful of people over the age of 65. Mm. And it was exactly because of what Mick talked about is loneliness, because people can be in the middle of a village of 10,000 people and still be incredibly lonely. And so we needed to be mindful of the activities and the services that we provide. Um, that prog- pro- project has been in operation uh, for nearly 10 years. And there have been some key milestones of positivity responded to uh, by our local authorities. And so I think we do and are mindful as a state you know, that there are challenges to people, whether they are a risk of poverty or whether they're loaded, that are unique to people of older ages. Um, And I think we need to make sure that our policies, both local and national, reflect that. I'm not sure if the policies are are working in the right direction. Uh, And I wouldn't just blame the government on this. This is a bigger issue. This is capitalism internationally in in the 2020s. Uh, It's pointing in a direction which makes life um, more difficult if you're old in many ways. So I'll, I'll, I'll give an idea of what I'm talking about. Mm. Post office closures in this country is one uh, clear example. Um, GP services, great GPs. Um, I'm thinking about my own community, some of the local GPs, but so hard to get in. And then when you get in, the pressure of the clock because the waiting room is uh, full. Um, what, what we used to call home helps, home care assistance. You know, you used to have an hour to visit the old person's home. Now, you know, it's for-profit companies that are running it. It's 30 minutes. You're on the clock. In some cases, a 15-minute stint, etc., etc. And it raises a broader issue of uh, health and healthcare. You can't have this discussion without looking yeah. at the question of healthcare. So, I'm... I'm Kieran is not the labour shortages, though, explain some of that. I mean, the, the, the GP working in a capitalist system isn't the reason that people can't get in. It's we don't have enough GPs. Uh, that is a big part of it. We're not investing sufficiently in training GPs uh, would be the point that I would make. But the average weight for um, uh, uh, someone who's in their 70s in an A&E in the first seven months of last year was nine and a half hours. There's 10,000 people over the age of 65 who are waiting 18 months or more for hospital procedures. People having to take the bus to Belfast for eye surgery. The 6,000 people who've been approved for home care packages, for, for you know, uh, uh, home care, uh, who are still on a waiting list, mm. despite being approved. lot of issues here. Uh, and and, 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 and the, the way in which the government is, 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 is facing and capitalism in the 2020s is facing is, is, is the wrong way if you're looking at care for elderly people. 
But the first thing I do have to challenge Mick on the basis is that people are not getting 15 minutes because we have either a shortage um, of staff or a cut in, in allocated finances. First of all, we have far more care hours allocated this year, last year, than we've ever had in the history of the state. And people get the care hours based on their needs. That's assessed by occupational therapists and doctors and nurses, not on the basis of euros. So that's the first thing that you really need to show out of the water. Um, post offices are closing, but it's because their footfall is completely falling. And I think until we as a state trying to put more services into post offices so that people will use them and it actually gives the ability for the people, the business owners, to make a profit and turn over and pay their wages. Well, then we're going to continue to face that challenge. But I'll, I'll challenge Mick to ask him when was the last time he was in a post office. And I won't, I'm only, I'm not, not near retirement age yet, but I'll talk about my mother and father. She's 72 and my dad is 87. I guarantee you they haven't been in a post office for years because they've no need to go into a post office anymore. So until we change the services, we can't blame the government okay. for people not using that footfall. So I, I started with Regina, so I'll finish with Mick. You might answer that. When were you last in the post office? Well, I was actually last in the post office about two weeks ago, but it's true. I don't go in too regularly, okay? (laughs) So I'm just going to finish on the issue of nursing homes, okay? 30 years ago, 80% of the nursing homes in this country were in public ownership. Today, 80% of them are in private ownership. There's been a massive privatisation programme and they run on a for-profit basis and that causes a load of problems. Caused a load of problems during uh, COVID. There's a nursing home down my way where... Prime time, right, uh, said recently there was multiple violations of infection control procedures and unreported deaths. 24 deaths in a 51-bed nursing yeah. home. And the, the, running it on a for-profit basis was well, definitely I, I, a factor I, in Yeah, hold fair. on now. I don't, it's, it's really I, like, You're right, that was featured on Primetime, but I'm not sure if Primetime didn't come to the conclusion that the capitalist system was to blame. That that's, mm. Just to be clear, that's Mick Barry's conclusion. I think there are many um, analysts and observers of nursing home care in this country and other countries who would say that uh, when you run it on a for-profit basis... Uh, that Honestly, it's, that's it, not true. It's far more difficult to... Uh, to, to uh, deliver what needs to be delivered. Mick, what's so unfair by what you're saying is because the people that work in our nursing homes, and I only know this because my dad went into one last August, they provide supreme care. They couldn't care more. They are the most dedicated, lovely people that are providing their care. And they only get paid their wages the same way as people in St. Joe's, which is a public nursing home do. The care is not any different because somebody is making a profit over it. The fair deal offering is no different to somebody that goes into I'm a private nursing home. I'm not talking about the workers, Regina. I'm well, talking so about the no, owners no, no, and no, the way in which No, no, you're talking about an ideological run. nonsense that doesn't actually have any impact. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, next week in Common Ground we will debate maybe public ownership of, uh, private ownership of nursing homes and the health system. Uh, Regina Doherty, Mick Barry, thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.